0: I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three, Today, I'm delighted to have somebody that I've known for a very long period of time on the show with us, uh, Vlad Yeman, who is the director of data for N Brown Group. So, Vlad, thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: You've known me for three seasons, actually. I was meant to be here three seasons ago. It's Vlad right. Gman, by the way. It's got is a yeah. strong jeu
0: in it. I knew I'd get that wrong. It's I fine.
1: Um, I, I'm be me me really valid. honest.
0: I thought I've known you that long. I can't now ask you how to pronounce you know your name. It's fine.
1: People call me Vald on emails, and I think <laughs> it's only a four-letter name. It's it's pretty simple. And then I reply passively aggressively and get their name wrong. Um, but that's just me.
0: <laughs> anyway, hi. Um, so thank you very much for coming on the show. Where we always start, Vlad is by asking our guests to give themselves a a brief introduction into their background and and journey today. And I guess before you do that, I just kind of want to interject here because um i'd say your rise has been something quite special in comparison to what is normal within the industry so i'll uh, i'll just leave it there um but i think there's a lot of value for people to take take away something from your journey on a personal professional level if that makes sense
1: i've been called special before but this is this is very complimentary (laughs) so thank you um yeah i mean i've been so fortunate to be honest to 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 one finds this niche what was a niche when i started and, and and you know do quite well um so i you know i have, a, I have an economics background at, at uni i ended up with um a pretty big investment bank called ubs um that was probably a few years after that super famous now infamous rather have a business review article off data science the 6 job of the 21st century everybody talks about that which did a huge a service to the industry, I think, as well. But that actually caught my eyes and I thought, ooh, this is pretty interesting. And I was in a in the bank, I was in a like in an operations role. I had nothing to do with tech, nothing to do with data. So data to me was a like a side hustle, side interest, right? But but because of that article, I, I I started to learn, you know, that was that coincided with the whole MOOC trend as well back in the days, the massive online open course when Coursera was starting, Udemy and all that kind of stuff. So I just started learning stuff on my own. And I got to a point where I went to my MD at the time, the managing director, and I said, just give me three months, please. I'll, and Give me some money. Give me some time and I'll do something special. You don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is, but I'll do something special. And that actually ended up being realistically what we see now as the first ML-powered data product, end-to-end data product for the whole company. Let's just say it was a simple email classification thing, but actually it was so widespread that the whole um, operations um, a yeah, you know, or certainly where I worked, started using it. It was quite interesting. And I thought, you know what? I love this. I love this. I want to do so much more of this. Um, and I quit. I quit the whole lifestyle, the investment banking, uh, the city of London. Um, I was doing the CFA, which is a pretty tough finance qualification back in the days. And I moved to Manchester um, to work for, well, actually, to work for a company called the Hood Group, which at that time was a very, very small company. They had their offices in uh, Northwich and i remember my first day i was sat on this broken chair next to a socket half out the wall and i thought <laughs> what have i done um but it was an absolute blast i mean they they trusted me probably purely based on on the brand of ubs the investment bank to say look you are someone who has is is half smart you have an interest in this area we don't know much about this whole ml thing data just come and do it figure it out so they trust me a lot um and i did it you know when i joined and now again now we know that to do machine learning properly, you need huge infrastructure, huge investment, people, multiple disciplines, holistic approaches, data strategies, the whole thing. And I thought, well, I've got nothing, I'll do it, right? And and, and the HUD group let me do it effectively. So I, I ended up as the, as the head of data science for um, the HUD group. Data science was effectively the specialism that I started with, but um, effectively as a full holistic data team that included data engineering, BI, and some of the other teams as well. Um, and, you know, by the time I left the Hot Group, it was the the largest initial public offering at the London Stock Exchange. The, the growth journey was immense, and the fact that I was part of that was 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 incredible, and I loved it. And then I moved to a company called Pets at Home. And it was interesting because at Pets at Home, I, to some degree, foresaw some of the trends in the industry in the sense that there's been a huge overinvestment in data science, at the lack of investment in engineering and governance. And I saw that that has to shift, that has to be equalized to some degree. And I moved to Pets at Home on the engineering side specifically. I wanted to actually have credibility in the industry as a scientist as well as the engineer. So at Pets at Home, we've, we've done a, a pretty incredible data transformation as well. With within the industry, a watering data transformation. And I was responsible for the technical side of it. So putting the whole data engineering uh, function together. So that was like, uh, alongside visualization, engineering, platform, and a few delivery, and a few other functions. Um, building a whole end-to-end scalable cloud native uh, analytics platform. We've implemented some tech like you know Salesforce, marketing, CRM solutions, all that kind of stuff. Um, powered some of the VIP loyalty scheme, which is again an award-winning loyalty scheme. we so have done quite a lot of stuff and it was quite well known in the industry. But that put me specifically in a, in a rare position, I think, which is someone who had was fairly young, had credibility in both the science and engineering space. And there's plenty of companies that need both of these things and that's where m brown um knocked on the door effectively and, and we had quite a long conversation about six months of breadth of conversations to see commitment on both sides for them to trust me that, that this kid this new kid on the block was actually did what what i was saying as I, I did and for me to see whether the company was genuinely committed to data every company nowadays says i want to do work in data fine mm-hmm. about one percent of them are genuinely committed and they convinced me you know and they're, they're, they're an incredible company incredible bunch of people the executive is fantastic and they both convinced me that they are genuinely committed to data and that's how i ended up at m brown um as the director of data so i report to the ceo and i'm in charge effectively one of the one of the five strategic pillars which is establishing data as an asset to win so it is at the core of what m brown is trying to do and i'm in the middle of it which is a very privileged position to be in so i'm super excited Nice. That was a very long answer to your short question. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, so I'm also doing an MBA as well, alongside work, which is difficult, but I'm doing an MBA with uh, Manchester University.
0: Yeah, I, re- I remember those days. I did an MBA many moons ago. Um, yeah, managerial economics, managerial accounting, managerial finance. Oh, God. As someone that wasn't Practicing great... the same person. So as someone that wasn't great at maths that was, it wasn't uh it wasn't a fond a fun time in my uh in my life um anyway so for people that aren't familiar with m brown just give them a high level overview because obviously very well known in the north of england especially the northwest mm. but um most of the listeners might not know them for their the brand of m brown but will probably know some of the other retail brands that they operate right
1: yeah, you're right. So that's that's a common that's a common thing um, when whenever I mention N Brown that people don't necessarily know the, the group name. So N is actually a top ten um, UK clothing and footwear, primarily digital retailer. We do have a home proposition, and we have a retail side of the business, but but also a financial services side of the business. So so we do um, allow customers to effectively spread the cost um, of, of shopping with us. We have a differentiated brand portfolio, so some of our brands people may know. J.D. Williams, Giacomo, simply be our top brands. Uh, And then we have a collection of other brands, Home Essentials, Ambrose Wilson, and a a few other brands as well. I think what's interesting, you said you know, people in the Northwest know of it. This is a super old company. It was founded in 1875. It's part of the fabric of the Northwest, the fabric of Manchester. It's so interesting. And one of the cool facts is that, so the guy that that started the company, David Williams, James David, David Williams, he was the first to send the retail products to consumers to through the post office, direct to consumer. This is the first company that did, that did it, and it's it's such an incredible story. And the fact that that we're still here, many, 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 many years after that, and that I'm I'm, uh, I'm I've joined one of these companies just incredible. I think it's got such a great history. Even the building that we're in um, used to be an old sorting office in the post office. Um, and then we have the freehold for it as well. It's just, again, we're literally part of the fabric of Manchester. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously you, you kind of discussed there, you know, you now run one of the key strategic pillars of the organization, which is, you know, making data an asset. Just give us a bit about, you know, why you were brought in. And I guess, what, what, what's the what's the end goal? What are you tasked with achieving for Brown?
1: Yeah, so there was a, an exercise across the, company like many companies do uh, almost to re-engineer the the strategy and where the business is going and I think through effectively shareholder pressure the the company decided that actually data is important nowadays and and we know this but many companies are just waking up to, to, to this fact and and that's when data as a thing moved from what we called an enabler to a strategic pillar um and this has meaning within a plc world if if you move it to a strategic strategic pillar it has to have the right commitment the right investment the right gravitas Etc and at that point, I think that step number one on the to-do list was bring someone in that knows what they're doing in the data space. And that's kind of how I um, I was lucky enough to to be hired. Um, and as the, the, as the director of data, I am responsible for this one strategic pillar, which is the, is, we call it establishing data as an asset to win. Um, I'm responsible for the success of it, but I'm also responsible for defining what it is and what it means. You know, it's nice words. It's actually data as an asset to win. What does it mean, right? And actually, that was probably the first... Company wide um, meeting that I've done to say this is what I think it means, right? And that was way before I, I created the data strategy. Um, but yeah, so the success of the strategic pillar, defining what it is, actually creating the data strategy to to describe the landing zone of where we want to be for the next two, three, five years, um, the associated transformations and initiatives, uh, but also the the teams. So the holistic data function that that um, that uh, we've put together. To support what it is that we're trying to do to do in the future, um, the whole thing, any pretty much anything, data um, as a, as a function, as a strategy, as an entity, will have some links to to what I'm trying to do at Ember. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, not being in the role long, as you said, there's been that shift from data being it's been
1: five lifetimes already.
0: Yeah, <laughs> data being known and thought of as an enabler now to it being, you know, slap bang in the middle of of the enterprise as a kind of key pillar and a strategic asset. Um, Talk us through a little bit around the data strategy, kind of how you've, you know, what you've thought about when you've been concocting that, and then I guess how you've gone about, I don't don't know if pitching is the right word or not, but, you know, getting investment to execute on that data strategy. Because I think what I See and hear a lot of in the industry is you know there's many people that have been in probably a similar situation to yourself, Vlad, where they land. You know, it's a it's a whole new transformational movement. They've got to put together the strategy and also got to convince all of the people, stakeholders, board, PLC, whatever the case may be, that this is the right strategy and they're going to need X amount of money to execute on it and often there can be some disparity between what gets asked for and what gets realized on, on that. So just talk us through that kind of process and how, you know, your thoughts while you were doing that.
1: There's about 20 questions in there, I think. So um, where do we start? Strategy. Strategy is important. Strategy is is the, the only thing that will allow you to push bigger rocks or bigger transformations in a business. You have to have a holistic approach to how, what it is that you're trying to do. You cannot be done tactically. You know, we we're talking just about just before this conversation about this idea of a phase zero phase one and phase two data group cd or however you want to call them but phase zero is when you do bits and bobs of data across the group that adds some sort of value but that is tactical that isn't that isn't holistic in any way when you get to phase one where you actually have a, a coagulated data function that has sufficient gravitas and investment and commitment to start building the foundations that the organization the holistic end-to-end sustainable embedded capabilities that the organization needs to to leverage and phase three is when you actually start leveraging them so I think I think we're you know context is very very important when you put a strategy together where is the business what is the data maturity which phase are you at uh, how much money do you have you know you said actually I'm pitching a Rolls-royce in the company only has money for a key area which was my favorite car by the way <laughs> um you have to understand the context you have to understand the um the macro environment right where is the business where is it training where is it going um trading rather you have to understand your exec suite, people who are actually going to approve uh, what it is that you're pitching to them. If you're a public company, you have to understand how they fund and, and um, accept um, new propositions. But I think to some degree, a lot of the hard work for me has been done in the fact that data has been elevated to a strategic pillar before I joined. I joined after that, and therefore half the selling job was done. I think what they needed was someone credible that actually presented a... Um, a sufficiently meaningful proposition that was also reasonable for them to say, do you know what, crack on, this is a great, great idea. We like where, where you're trying to get to. Let's just do it. But also the right governance around it, right? They probably wouldn't trust a kid with tens of millions of pounds to stay, go and crack on, but rather how do we do it in the right way um, to show progress and, and value add along along the journey and I actually how do we get in the whole organization so there's a million things that you have to consider when you put a data strategy together but putting a data strategy together is so important most companies don't have a data strategy you know this already right it's it's incredible and i think certainly what we've done at brown i'm convinced that most most companies don't have a, a data strategy at least as meaningful or as comprehensive as, as what we've what we've done at, at brown so so we're super proud of what, of what we've done I'll tell you how I've done my data strategy, but again, it's unique to Embrown. It's not gonna work for any other company, but it effectively revolves around three different pillars. And almost this is how I think the the data disciplines have evolved over time as well. So my three pillars are the target operating model, um, the analytics platform, and data culture. And I think almost the CDOs evolved there were data teams at some point back in the days, and that was almost the target operating model. How do you have some analytics team? Do you decentralize? Decentralize? These are questions that people used to talk about ages and ages ago, right? And then the big data movement came in, and actually tech became super important, right? And actually everybody talks about really big data and at the expense of everything else, and that's where where data became almost moved from the finance world to the tech world. And nowadays everybody talks about data culture, and that's almost the the, the trifecta that, that we all talk about today when you when you think of the modern data approach um, and capability. These are three sort of pillars of the strategy. When we talk about the target operating model, that's effectively the capacity, capabilities, the way of getting track of the business, our remit, our rights and responsibilities across the group, um, our ability to integrate with other parts of the business and other initiatives, whether that's strategic programs, whether that's you know, we're doing at Embraer, we're doing this massive uh, enterprise agility program. We get the whole company, you know, from the studio to the engineers to actually work in squads and pods and everything else. How do we then fit into that and into the wider picture? So that's the target of organizational design, which is super important. So my team today is split across five, what we call core disciplines. So these are data management, um, visualization, science, engineering, and analytics. Um, and then we have almost supporting functions your product management your engineering functions and, and some of the other things as well so that's almost the target operating model actually to be honest we've done uh, most of the progress to, to date has been in the operating model space we've done about 90 percent of what to do very very quickly and keep in mind i only joined about six months ago when there was no strategy and we've already progressed quite a lot and i think speed is super important in, in data the second pillar is is the analytics platform some people call it a Um, cloud data platform, customer data platform, a data platform, whatever. We call it the analytics platform because I think it's important to um, suggest why we have technology. We We buy and implement and create that technology for the purpose of improving our ability to analyze and extract value out of data. And that is something that, again, a lot of if you look at this pillar independently and you buy a data platform and that's the end of you you go and buy whatever data breaks or whatever it's it's not going to be successful it has to be done as part of this wider strategic um holistic approach what we're going to do and i've done this a couple of times and, and, and you know successfully is that we're going to build a cloud native end-to-end scalable analytics platform that allows us to leverage the economies of scale across all of the data work that we do so this is end-to-end all the way from um collecting data from Operational systems all the way to exposing that data back to operational systems through, you know, we we say that we create either data products or excuse me, embedded analytics solutions. So that's almost the, the the way we we generate value within the business. So that's almost the analytics platform. Um and there's a huge program of transformation um planned for that. Finally, data culture, you know, this is this is arguably the most important and the most topical and the hottest thing that people are talking about. And I still think a lot of people are paying lip service to what data culture means. I think people understand that it's important. They understand they have to say and talk about data culture, but perhaps not necessarily how meaningfully embedded it has to be. I'm not saying that I've got all the answers either, right? I think all of us in the industry are trying to learn how to do it properly, but I certainly have ideas as to how to do it properly. And I think I have a sufficiently blank canvas at Embrown to try some of these ideas out that I've almost worked on and developed over the, over the years. Um, yeah, it's exciting. But that's almost the three, the three pillars of the strategy. There's tons and tons and tons of detail because I think um when you propose something as significant as I am at M Brown, people will want to be comfortable. From the CFO to your COOs to the um, you know, retail CEO, FS CEO, everybody has to be involved and bought into it. And it, they are now. So everyone from the exec to the PLC fully bought in, fully supportive of, of what we what we're suggesting, which is just incredible to be honest. I feel like I'm I'm still dreaming.
0: Were there um I guess at the at the top of that strategy, when you were putting it together throughout the interview process, you know, that six month scoping exercise that you were both doing to each other, were there kind of key business drivers, objectives, KPIs that the business was saying, this is what we would like to get out of this? Or was it more you dictating the narrative of this is what we could do?
1: I think it's it's you know great question. It's it's a mix of both. Absolutely. You have to start with a why. Everything starts with a why, right? Why, why, why are you here, Vlad? Why, why do you why are you asking for all these things, right? What is it that you want to do? Um a lot of it is again the context that I mentioned before, right? So we have identified that actually investing in data, um, probably has better marginal returns than investing in other parts of the business because we are perhaps immature in the data space and therefore that almost gives you a crack and in right why are we trying to do this well look we have we have a business strategy we have a mission and a purpose in the business we want to do things uh with our customers that we cannot do today to the degree that we would want to do um to do with them we feel that we're being held back in a million different ways because we're not um sufficiently mature in the data space I remember a conversation at the plc board and um one of the execs would you know when we were asked why why are you doing this one of the execs effectively said agility you know the only way to succeed as a company today it's not about product it's not about customers it's about being able to adapt it's as simple as that in 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 the uncertain world that we're in today you have to adapt as quickly as possible and data helps you do that as we know, right, we always talked about data in the COVID pandemic and how it helped the companies that were mature in the data space did so much better because they could adapt a lot quicker. It's exactly that. And that's that's another one of the whys. There's clearly, you know, the, the benefit case, and I, I can talk about that if you want as well, but, but the benefit case spans, you know, actual money, um, cultural behavior, agility, There's so many benefits of data. As long as you can kind of um, talk about them in the right way and comprehensively for people to buy into it, um, it becomes a very obvious choice. Why wouldn't you invest in data? It sounds cheaper. Let's come on, crack on, let's do it. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, everybody in the industry has done the work for us, right? All the CEOs are now heard about how important data is, all the CFOs have done that. All the people that we needed to convince five, 10 years ago, they've been convinced by just the world, effectively. And I think our job has become a lot easier in that sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You talked earlier about speed and then obviously agility there played um played a big part in, you know, what the business is hoping to get out of, of of this initiative. Talk to us about the speed component, because I think what I see in the industry quite a lot is probably a misalignment between expectations of a business in terms of how quickly they can arrive at the end point in terms of in comparison to the reality of what it's going to take them to get there in terms of time and resource and investment and, and all of that type of, of, of stuff
1: very controversial point i think it can be speedy and i wouldn't say that to the execs right um <laughs> but i think it can be fast you can move so much faster than people anticipate as long as you know what you're doing as long as you have all the right freedom that you need in the organization, as long as you have the right buy-in, as long as you have the right resources already, as long as you have the things that you need, which actually for the first six months in this organization, 90% of my time was actually aligning resources, getting these ex on board, um, deciding the remit, deciding the corporate governance as to what decisions I can make, what decisions some other people can make, make sure, making sure the funding is there or the mechanism for funding is there, getting all the right people in, etc. As long as you have everything ready and you know exactly what you're doing and you're next an in this field, You can move pretty fast, actually, and you can move a lot faster than most organizations. And I think a lot of the organizations waste. And this isn't just in data. In any transformational project, 70% of the time is wasted because people don't speak to each other. People are not aligned. You're still waiting to get different parts of of, of dependencies or things that are needed. And actually, a lot of money is then invested to almost cover for these cracks, almost put lipstick on a pig in terms of, oh, well, we haven't aligned corporate governance properly, so therefore we're going to hire another three change management people. It's just... It just doesn't make any sense. I think if um, if you've done this a couple of times, which I have, you kind of know what mistakes to avoid, you know, how not to waste some of the money and you know what things genuinely matter in a transformation and so what don't. And once you have that ready, I think speed isn't a huge issue. It still takes a couple of years, right? And I don't mean a couple of years in terms of um, big bang, we're going to do something in a couple of years, we'll talk to you in two years' time. You can absolutely show value as as you go. But I think a significant elevation of our data maturity from today to where we're going to be in a year or two years time, I think that's extremely, extremely possible and likely. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. But like anything else, right? As long as you know what you're doing and you have the right resources, you will do it and you'll move fast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I've been having a lot of conversations recently, both, you know, in the day job and on the podcast where, people have been talking about the concept of getting to that kind of end state where the, the, the value realization happens at scale, you know, and, um, obviously we know mm. it's not a big bang thing, but the flip side of that coin is then the, the, the tenure of directors of data CDOs, whatever you want to call it, uh, is equally kind of circa 20 months. Right. So it's kind of like, it doesn't, it doesn't add up really, does it? If we're kind of saying you can get to this end goal within, two three years and it's a transformation and of course you can show value on the way but for whatever reason people are falling out almost in the middle
1: if you do it properly kyle you're not the person that's driving it it's the organization the culture it's embedded into the fabric of how the the organization thinks yeah you're there as a as a as a as a slight coordinator at the start right so if a cdo leaves after two years and again i I'm always contrarian about all these things. Do they leave because there's better opportunities? Do they leave because their job is unclear? Do they leave because of frustration? There's so many ways to look at it, right? Um, But either way, if a CDO leaves after, or director of data, whatever, leaves after two years in the middle of a transformation, if they did a great job, that wouldn't affect the transformation at all. That would actually be probably a great opportunity moving into the second phase, which I think phase one and phase two are so different in how you think about, you approach them and i think it's all probably a good opportunity for the business to to refresh that um so i see that as a a huge positive rather than something bad. as long as you do it properly you know most of the jobs that i've ever done I've, i've done them in such a way that i'm not i'm just there as a as a you know great coordinator rather than anything that is particularly critical um and i enjoy doing that and i think the organizations get more out of me by doing that
0: yeah it's an interesting concept that and i've had this um I've said this many of times, but, you know, I guess there's certain types of skill sets for certain types of the transformational journey, right? And, you Mm -hmm. know, yes, there are people out there that can take it end to end, no doubt. But sometimes there are people that might be phase zero people. And at that point, you know, it might be time to move on and someone else comes in who's more of a phase one person. And when that phase is done, you know, it might be their time to step aside in a phase two. Uh, I don't don't think it's necessarily... And even if
1: the people are right, it's... Mm -hmm. I always talk about the burden of legacy, right? I could, for example, I could do a phase one, right? And I could be perfectly suitable for a phase two, but we built so much legacy in how we think, the connections that I built, the relations that I built, how we got here, et cetera, that actually a breaking point of just someone new doing a phase two or whatever, sometimes helps the organization jolt themselves into, oh, we need to do something different here. Hmm. So even if the people are completely appropriate, sometimes you do need that that refresh almost. Um from any phase to any phase any transition i think sometimes a big transition if you're trying to do something meaningful sometimes optically it's better that it's a fresh face or yeah. a new role or something that changes and people think oh this is this is completely different it's not the same thing
0: yeah yeah no that makes uh that makes sense take us back to the start then how did you decide what the starting point was going to be and where the priorities lay in order you know to lay the foundations for that data strategy and also then you know make sure that you got the investment that you needed.
1: So there's there's a degree of sequentiality actually, actually to the three pillars of the strategy, uh, operating model entities platform and data culture. Um, we had to we had to sort out corporate governance across the group. Uh, we had we had to say, well look, if we if we actually think that data is meaningful, then I need to have almost complete freedom as to how I want to approach this um convince obviously the business as to what the landing zone was going to be and, and whether that's credible and desirable but but if we agreed on that, then i need all the right resources all the right decision making power to be able to get us there as well as all the right connections and support from across the groups this isn't an isolationist tactic but rather for the decisions that we need to make we can make them fast um that has to be done first and i think i think most companies fail at this point especially big mature organizations because it's so difficult to change things at board level uh, or at corporate governance level so i would i would i would highly suggest that people work on this at the expense of everything else to start with getting a team together getting the right capabilities figuring out who you need to hire and getting some good people around you is super important so the operating model has to be sorted first, which is what which is what we did i think then um technology is super important right people people like to i've heard this conversation a million times before really you know how how big of a fan of tech i am um people people like to put technology down because because they only talk about it in isolation of everything else. But when it is part of this this wider trifecta, it is essential, it is so important. And actually, it's probably one of the few things that allows you to outpace competition. Everybody's doing the same things. Everybody is getting a buddy data platform, right? But you can do it better, you can do it faster, you can do it cheaper than a lot of other people if you know what you're doing, um, and if you're passionate, and if you genuinely integrate things properly with the right people and processes. Um, and then finally, data culture. And I think data culture, because it's such a significant transformation across the whole business, a, a, over a hundred years old organization, thousands of people uh, in terms of our colleagues, it will be very, very difficult to approach holistically without having some of the other things. So when I talk about data culture, and I, I think I could, we might talk about that a bit later, but I talk about this idea of curiosity, access, and knowledge. So there's a trifecta of how to implement good data culture within a business. And you can do a lot of it unless you have had the first two sorted, the operating model and the analytics platform. So I think there is a sequentiality to what we're trying to do. Also, a lot of people ask me where the hell data governance flat, right? And I think data governance to me is part of operating model as well as the analytics platform. There's a huge shift in the industry now where data governance is actually embedded into your technology rather than you having a separate um separate team, separate processes, loads of lots of policies, lots of bureaucracy, et cetera. A lot of it is actually embedded in how everything operates and i'm excited about that as well that, that's like to me it's not an extra pillar it used to be an extra pillar It used to be back in the day data come as the biggest thing people used to talk about now i think it's done in a in a way more sophisticated way um so sorry your question was how did you decide where to start these three things i think when you do a big rocket transformation you have to decide what it is that the landing zone is and then you work back you cannot say oh, i'm going to start here and then figure out how how i'm going to grow and progress um you have to have a good landing zone that the people buy into and then work back and say for me to do this in this time frame i'll need xyz and if you don't give me xyz then i can't do it and therefore something will have to change it helps the conversations when you speak to the ceo when you speak to the cfo to say you signed up to these benefits help me with the things that i need to do to get there
0: yeah absolutely talk us through that while we're on the subject of the the kind of cultural piece then talk us through that kind of exercise or, or journey because it seems like something had already happened because the business had decided to move it as a, from an enabler to a strategic pillar so something somewhere had happened that the top level plc had, had noticed that so there's a change in behavior there but talk us through the differences in terms of you know, what it means for people at that level from a stakeholder PLC level, and then the people who are consuming using data day to day. And then I guess, you know, are, are, you, are you doing anything specific around that to kind of, you know, try and raise awareness of that culture and, and change that culture?
1: It's almost, there's, there's, I think two sides to your question. One is almost how do you get um, exec buying into what it is that you're trying to do. And two is almost the the wider holistic, well, what is data culture for an organization? How does it help? How do you implement it? How do you measure its success? I think think on the first side, and I think this is an age-old trick in the book, um, get champions, right? There will be absolutely, in almost every single exec board, there will be people that really get and understand or are excited by data, and some people that, that couldn't care less and actually are not interested or don't understand it. It's obvious, right? Start with the people that, that care about this. Uh, build champions. We are so lucky to have a board that actually is super excited and some of them super educated in the data space already. There's almost an easy push. And there's always FOMO. I talk about FOMO all the time. You know, you get you get a you get an exec that actually taps into the power of um of data. You focus your resources and, and energy and brain power on on them. They get benefits. And then some of the other execs think, "Cool." I want, I want a bit of that. How do I get involved in that? So actually, that's a great way. And again, this is nothing new, right? Everybody everybody does this. But there's, there's so many ways to get exec buy-in once the CEO is bought in, right? And I think I think that was the difficult job, or, or rather, for us, it was easy, but that's generally a difficult job In if it's been established as a strategic pillar, you've got the CEO on board, and therefore, how do you, how do you move into the rest of the exec? I think with data culture... Um, Data culture to many people just meant data literacy back in the days, right? And I've I've posted a million times on LinkedIn about how how much I hate data literacy. Um, I think it's so much more holistic than that because I think there's so many problems with that. One, it's arrogant to assume that people are illiterate. It's arrogant to assume that people have to speak my language rather than me speak their language. It's been poorly implemented in the sense that people pay lip service to it and say, let's do a little e-learning module of how to reach out it's brilliant and now everybody's data literate it's just it's there's so many issues with data literacy that i've seen in the industry for so long um it also ignores the fact that imagine data literacy is actually defined properly and we implement it properly and we do it properly across the whole business everybody knows about data that doesn't mean anything for the business it doesn't do anything for the business if they don't have the other two parts of of my trifecta right which is access you don't have any data but you're super knowledgeable it doesn't help at all or oh, curiosity if you don't give a damn about data it doesn't matter that you're an expert or that you have access you just don't care you don't care you don't you're not you're not um you're not encouraged to explore and be curious about data so i think this trifecta of curiosity access knowledge is so 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 important and that's how we're approaching our data culture strategy so for me data literacy or what we call um knowledge so that's that's affected that that area there's a full roadmap as to how we're going to approach that specifically but that sits within the context of the other two so curiosity um we have two initiatives in the curiosity pillar for our data culture one is you know many people talk about data community so for us data community has an internal aspect and as well as an external aspect, aspect to it not just not just um the internal one you know um Workshops, working groups, webinars, um, concessions sessions. How do you actually get uh, a cadence off you being a bit into the business all the time? But the external one is actually engaging with um universities, engaging with um nationwide data organizations, engaging with local um data groups or you know meetups or all that kind of stuff. So actually, we have a very very holistic approach as to how to build a data community, and that's a tiny sliver of the wider. Uh, curiosity pillar, which is a which is a tiny sliver of the wider data culture pillar, which is part of the biggest strategy. there's so much um richness in 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 how we want to approach this. Um, the other one is you know, bespoke handholding for execs specifically, et cetera. So that's almost the the curiosity pillar. And then there's the access pillar, and access sounds so silly and stupid and simple, right? But that's actually data democratization. That's how you get the whole organization to not just like oh, and query, the data warehouse find that step minus 50 right when i talk about access i talk about the whole roadmap to move from people accessing well-governed data through bigquery fine but all the way to them creating um, whether it's uh, part of the data warehouse, creating machine learning algorithms, using, applying them, being part of the marketplace that we build, actually creating and owning infrastructure at some point, creating and owning full stack data estates as part of their business units, right? Which is obviously people talk about data meshes nowadays. So to us, access, the simple word is access, is actually a humongous data democratization <clears throat> roadmap that takes people from, I have an Excel spreadsheet today to, actually own and maintain my whole data estate as part of my business unit tomorrow um again super exciting super interesting super detailed and people are really bought into it but that's to me culture culture is extremely complex extremely rich and extremely difficult to embed into the business it has to be done through every single micro decision that you make as a leader and millions of micro decisions that you do and your team does and the business does will have some micro progress towards embedding a good data culture it's not as simple as rolling out a new learning module and saying we're now data literate and saying 90% of our people are data literate it bores me to death kyle when people talk about data literacy getting passionate now again
0: (laughs) uh so you you i heard you talk about a data culture strategy is that a thing within of itself is that is that obviously i know it's one of the pillars but is there that's uh,
1: the three pillar yeah so the strategy, our strategy is about, and it sounds stupid, right? It's about 60 pages, um, but it has, it had three desires for it. So one is, this is our strategy. Two was a reference manual. So once we actually implement a lot of our strategy or execute on you know, it over the next three years or so, um, we go back to it every quarter and say, are we doing the things that we promised to do? And the third piece was an educational. So we started the data culture journey at the very start. When we put the strategy together, that has educational elements for the exec, for the board and for the wider business when we start communicating wider we started that already um because we know how that journey is gonna gonna go um so yeah data culture is a, is a pillar but a pillar is actually something very rich and very well explained um within the strategy when i say explained it's not prescriptive a lot of it is principles based this is where we're trying to get to this is how we want to behave and won't want to get to it we have a lot of leeway to change and adapt and be agile about how we approach that um which again is super important to have that that governance
0: yeah absolutely where then I guess you know you've been in various situations now where you've been you know in very early on in the bigger holistic transformational type of of journeys from a data standpoint within you know a number of very high profile businesses now from your experience what what do you see as some of the kind of pitfalls you know where 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 do some data strategies you know fall down the, the hole so to speak
1: Good question. The hygiene factors first of all right so do i have you matched your ambitions to your uh to your funding have you you know is, is everybody bought into you i assume that that's already taken care of right because otherwise you, you wouldn't you want to put a data strategy together but i think probably the most important thing is well a couple of things make it holistic data does not work in isolation whether it's as a group whether it's a part of a data strategy whether it's a piece of technology whether it's um a couple of people data does not Deliver the promises that everybody wants to to have. If it's not taken care of holistically, you have to think: what is data? So actually, define the delineation, right? Because you could say, "Oh, the whole company's data." Well, you're going to fail, right? Or you could say, "Oh, actually, data analytics is data." Well, you're going to fail because that's just not not good enough, right? You have to delineate it at the right space, and that's you know, in fact, what we've done with the what I said over the last six months with the corporate governance and the the right organizational design and everything else. We've delineated this is exactly what group data is and does. And this is how we're going to add value over the next two to three years. So I think the holistic approach to your data strategy is, is super important. And thirdly, and I know this debate is very, very live and rich in the industry today, you have to have someone that genuinely gets data and understands it end to end to actually be able to drive it. I don't think, and I may be wrong and naive, I don't think it's sufficient to have people that are very comfortable and familiar with with but a sliver of of, of what data means today, and then and then run the whole thing. I just don't think it works. I think well, it, it will succeed at some point, but it takes you three times as long and five times as as expensive. Um, it's so sort of important to have people that know what they're doing run data strategies and data transformations. Mm. Yeah, interesting. See things really holistic and and get people that know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> um, so talk, talk to us then to kind of. I'm conscious of time, um, but talk to us about the whole investment journey um because this is an area that's obviously getting a lot of attention at the moment right you know as i said earlier a lot of businesses or a lot of data leaders in this position of putting together a strategy needing obviously a certain amount of, of money for that what, what kind of tips and tricks have you got for people that are just about to embark upon that from that investment side in terms of you know some of the th- key things that a cfo is going to want to see for you to unlock his uh his or her purse
1: it's undeniable that Data transformations, like any transformation, are expensive, right? So I think priming the organization of the fact that there will be cost to it is important, right? And they have to realize that. Um, sure, the cost will scale with what it is that you're trying to do in the organization, but regardless, at any point, it will be expensive. The cost is also, the non-financial costs are so much higher than the financial ones. And the organization has to be primed for that, right? They're changing how they think, how they organize themselves, how they want to approach, how what your remit versus the other parts of the business remit is that costs a lot political capital influence gravitas all that kind of stuff but financially speaking specifically and i think we talked about this before we i tend to think of my business cases as as faith fear and finances right you start with hit the out of the possible here's all the things that we could do here's all the amazing things that data does for other organizations or could do for this organization isn't this an, a brilliant future that you want to be part of right and then you move into interfere our current estate, our current um, capabilities and skill set are holding the business back. If we do not do something, this business will die. Yet, like yesterday, right? We have to do something. There's a burning platform, and there's a fear element to it. And it's not um, uh, manipulative in any way. You're just describing. Here's the out of the possible, and here's how. If we don't do anything today, we will decay to the point of irrelevance. And then you, and then you bring the finances in. Right? Every business case has to have some numbers associated to it. Data is notoriously difficult to put numbers on. You know this. You talk about this all the time, right? Notoriously difficult to put numbers on. But what if you flip it? What if you flip the conversation and say, what's the minimum amount of value? What do we have to believe to at least pay for this transformation, right? If we think, do you know what? Data can actually um, increase our margin by 1%. Well, that would pay for our transformation so why are we talking about it why do we need to put so much effort and energy into doing a, a five-year business plan with every single cost and benefit detail that we're probably going to be super inaccurate anyway if you genuinely believe that we can probably improve our margins by one percent let's crack on let's crack on and do the six months now rather than the six months in six months time but there is some rigor in terms of how i approach my benefit case at, at m brown so this is really three i love the number three for whatever reason <laughs> there's three there's three sides to our benefits one is direct cost savings Easiest one to to measure, easiest one to justify, and hopefully that that moves um, that removes a big chunk of your cost effectively or, or offset. So direct cost savings, you know, you will simplify your estate, you will remove legacy technology, you will cut contracts, you will remove um, I don't know pieces of tech that a consultancy would have created for you, some algorithms, some data products, whatever. You you can do these internally. You can do it. Cost savings, a few million pounds done. That's a big chunk out of the investment case. The second one is operational efficiencies and that kind of hacks the point that i made at the very start which is ag- agility right so the cfo will care about the first one the direct cost savings the ceo will care about the second one if you can convince the organization as it is actually intuitively obvious if everybody in the whole organization has frictionless access to data and insights to use to make better and faster decisions it is intuitively obvious that the whole organization transforms People will identify with that. They think, "Oh God, I've been into this meeting, and my spreadsheet had different numbers to someone else's spreadsheet, and it's a nightmare." And we argue about it for half an hour. It's intuitively obvious, exceptionally difficult to measure. How do you put a number on that? I can say, "Oh, five percent people, five percent of people, people have five percent extra time, and therefore they can allocate that time to some higher, higher value tasks." No one knows, right? It's just completely impossible to put a number on it. But the CEO would love that because he or she will be able to see the level of agility that the organization will get out of this. And The third case, which is probably the biggest promise, which is part of the the, the faith element of the business case, is data-driven use cases. You, know, you will be able to, once you have a, a decently mature capability and data state, finally leverage the power of data and create things that actually Optimize your marketing campaigns, optimize your marketing spend, optimize your financial services side of the business, give better credit to, to, to better people, push the right products to people, recommendations, the whole thing that we all know and do with data, that is the biggest promise with the highest uncertainty, right? I'm certain that I can make the organization more operational uh, efficient. There's a huge level of uncertainty as to the data products and embedded analytics solutions that we can create. But even at that side, if you think that if I – um improve our ability to uh, segment emails, move from brand segmentation all the way to some customer segmentation, all the way to micro segmentation, all the way to some level of personalization. It's so intuitive and so obvious that will give me an extra X percent on our, uh, you know, reduced marketing spend or increase uh, revenue that comes out of it that we can track, et cetera. And that actually pays the whole transformation. When you put these all together, it becomes obvious. Mm-hmm. The conversation moves from why should we do it to why the hell shouldn't we do it? And that's where you want the business case. And that's where you got everything. It's just an admin thing. How do you get the right process and governance forums by then? But once you get the conversation to why shouldn't we do this? You've, you've effectively won that battle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. How, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to, to kind of share numbers or not, but how 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 much does the transformation of, of this rigor uh, from a data strategy perspective cost? Is it single millions, tens of millions?
1: So it's, it's, it's very expensive. Um, you know, I, 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 actual numbers probably don't, don't help. I think as a, as a, as a percentage, one of the things that, though, that... We, we used to say in most organizations that I worked for is that for example so once you start, so there's one-off cost of almost establishing everything but almost as, as running costs we, we suggest that every single transformational project or initiative within the business should budget 10 to 15 percent of their cost purely for data we think that's the level of importance that it would have on every single transformational project so you start implementing a, a new e app across the whole business 15 percent is probably going to be have to be budgeted for our cost or, or the level of, of input that data would have um depending on the size the, that's why i think numbers aren't very useful because it's based on the size of the organization yeah. based on what it is that you're trying to do i will need 50 people at Brown, but i will not only need i don't know five people at a different organization to do some of the stuff that i'm trying to do i will need to bring delivery partners in of this size at Brown, but different size somewhere else um but yeah for big organizations you know 40 40 42 50 type organizations you would probably see a you know depending on the timelines as well I think I think one of the one of the fallacies with cost is the fact that you're not doing one-off things you are you are you are building mm-hmm. sustainably embedded data capabilities within the business and therefore that cost is there for for the rest of the lifetime of that organization it's it's running costs and that running cost to me in a 4250 organization will probably be around five six seven million a year um uh, up to 10 FTSE 100 probably a lot a lot higher than that as well um but that cost transitions, when you start, it's actually tons of money off costs. And actually as you as you progress, it's tons of innovation costs or running costs or people costs, et cetera, that um the power that the idea of leveraging value from data. But the benefits are so much higher. So the costs are actually generally pale in, in comparison with um with with what you actually do deliver for the organization. Yeah. But you can spend ten million pounds a year in a in a little startup that only has seed funding for two hundred grand, right? It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah. That's yeah. why i think context is super
0: important absolutely absolutely agree yeah well vlad look um always a pleasure to um to speak to you we uh thank you very much for your time and um i'm intrigued um and be watching with a very uh keen eye as to uh how your journey at m brown unfolds over the next few years
1: thank you for like we've just uh scratched the surface but i've enjoyed it um and thank you for the opportunity we'll,
0: we'll have to get you back on in two years and you can Tell everyone. In another three would. seasons. <laughs> All right, we'll speak soon. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishon group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry can get to hear and benefit from these two if you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests then please feel free to reach out to me thanks for listening and i'll be back next week